and welcome to Medium Cool, a movie podcast. I'm your host, Austin Glidden, and as always, you can find us on social media by searching Medium Cool Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's facebook.com backslash Medium Cool Pod. You can search Medium Cool Pod on Instagram and we'll pop up, and at Medium Cool Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Also, like, subscribe, follow wherever you're listening to this. It always helps us out. Just, you know, give us a little subscribe. You know, keep up with all things Medium Cool. And hey, if you're thinking about it, if you're open to it, leave us a rating, leave us a review. We appreciate all you can do. So um, it feels so good to do that spiel again because it has been probably five weeks or something since I did an episode. And uh, I want to give a few updates real quick and let you know what's going on and why and all that stuff. Uh, So uh, the first week of November, I believe it was, we put out the uh, episode on... Um, why am I spacing the name of Blonde? Goodness gracious, how did I forget that? It's been a while. It's been a while. Anyways, so, uh, yeah, I, uh, watched Blonde. I absolutely loved it. I had to talk about it. And then what happened is, uh, work got so busy and I, I was coming home and I was just feeling so stressed out and just so like one of like those things where it's like, Basically, I didn't want the the podcast to really feel like a job because, quite frankly, it's not. Um, I mean, this is a passion project for sure, and it was just one of those things where it was just like the idea of doing this makes me want to hurt myself. <laughs> not literally, but it's like I don't want to do this. Uh, so I basically was just like, you know what? I just need maybe a, a mental health break. I don't know how you want to you know, kind of categorize what I was feeling. Um, but yeah, I basically was like, Hey, I'm just going to take, uh, the rest of November off, wait till after Thanksgiving. And then I'll come back refreshed, rejuvenated. And, uh, you know, I'll be able to hop in. And then, um, basically I tried to make an episode the first week of December and, uh, nothing worked. I couldn't get sound through my mic into my computer. Um, Man, I had all kinds of problems. I had a friend of the show, Charlie Eckenbarger. Uh, He's been on the show a few times. And uh, I called him in. I was sharing my screen with him. I'm like, dude, what's going on? Because he knows a lot about this stuff. And uh, we could not figure it out. But guess what? Uh, It happened multiple times. The first time it happened, it just started working again. And we were like, awesome. But by that point, it was pretty late. So I'm like, I'll do it tomorrow. And then guess what? I show up tomorrow. Doesn't work again. We're like, what's going on? Uh, So then uh, same thing happens. Like I do a bunch of random stuff. It just starts working again. Uh, I recorded a few things for a project he's working on. And I was like, you know what? I'll do the podcast later. Guess what? Didn't work anymore. What is happening? It's like the world's against me. So then uh, after that, if that's not bad enough, it got to a point where I couldn't record anything, music or nothing, not just my mic, not just my interface, but nothing was working. Uh, and I know what you're thinking. Just get a new computer. I know, dude, that's what Charlie's been telling me, but that's not the point. All right. Uh, the point is, uh, basically I think it ended up just being like a weird driver issue or something. I don't know what happened, but I reinstalled, deleted, reinstalled, deleted, reinstalled literally the driver over and over and over until it looked right. Uh, cause I was getting like multiple drive. I don't know what was going on. The point is it was some wonky stuff. And uh, I have it fixed. And that's the good news. It's worked ever since. And it seems like it's good to go. Uh, The problem is now uh, because I had deleted a bunch of stuff because of that and reinstalled it, hoping, you know, my uh, my uh, 
uh, DAW would work, like what I'm recording in, um, my my plugins, my my all, all the things. And so like half my plugins don't work still, and I'm going to work on that. Okay, luckily all the plugins I need for my voice do. So we're in good shape. Um, but man, I have actually, you know, for as much fun as I've had outside of doing Medium Cool, I really have missed, you know, doing the show and I'm really happy to be here because today I'm going to talk about All Quiet on the Western Front, the 2022 film, and uh, I am, I've been excited to talk about this. I was going to talk about this after the, like the week after the Blonde episode. So what is that? Like I said, five, four, five weeks ago, um, and I, I watched this, the week Blonde, the episode on Blonde came out, and so... Uh, yeah, I've wanted to talk about this ever since. I also watched After Yang. I might do um, an extra episode because I was just going to skip next week since it's kind of in between Christmas and New Year's. But I, if I get a chance, I'll do an episode on After Yang. That was really good, too. Um, and I would love to kind of do a show on that and talk a little bit about why uh, why I felt the way I did. Uh, but uh, yeah, all, all quiet on the Western Front. That's what's going on. Uh, otherwise, what's been going on with me? I would love to hear from you. Hit me up on social media. Email me at mediumcoolpot at gmail.com. Uh, I would love to, you know, to hear what you've been up to since uh, Medium Cool kind of uh, went radio silent for a few weeks. Um, I will say that uh, I did, I was able to watch several things. I will hopefully talk about a few of them uh, on the podcast here. I did, uh, let me think here, so much of it's not 2022, which is what's the bummer, because I was watching it with family and stuff, uh, but I am still in the 2022 cram. I have a lot of stuff I still need to see, uh, so um, I just found out two days, like the day I watched After Yang, because I saw After Yang way too long after it came out, uh, but uh, I found out the Banshees of Inishirin, the new Martin McDonough film, is on, uh, what is it, HBO Max or something? Man, I was excited when I saw that. I didn't think I was going to be able to get that in for a while. Um, I'm excited to see uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which is on Netflix. I'm excited to see um, the new uh, Inuritu film, Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Trues. That's a pretty, it seems like it's a bit of a polarizing film. Uh, but I'm excited to watch that one. Uh, I'm really excited to see The Eternal Daughter. This is the, uh, what is it, uh, Joanna Hogue, I think. I think that's how you pronounce the name. I'm not sure. Um, but she did some really uh, cool movies. The most notable ones are The Souvenir uh, Part 1 and 2, I think, have most recently been kind of the most popular. But uh, this new film uh, has Tilda Swinton in it, which is, I feel like, just always great when you get kind of an artful film with Tilda Swinton in it. It's got to be awesome. For as much shit as I've heard about it, I am actually excited to see The Fable Bins by Spielberg, even if I don't think it's going to be that great, but I'm actually excited to see it. Uh, let's see. Flex Gourmet looks so weird that it kind of makes me excited. Um, I need to go back and watch The House, which I think came out like at the beginning of the year. And I just kept telling myself, like, I got to watch that movie. I got to watch that movie. And I never did. Uh, the Last Movie Stars, which is directed by Ethan Hawke, but it's like 380 minutes long. It's like six hours. Um, and it's technically in uh, parts kind of episodic. 
but I think the intent was to be more like the O.J. Simpson doc that was like a seven-part series. Some people watched it in five parts. You know, uh, I think at one point it was in three parts on a different streaming service, uh, but you can buy it all as one. And a lot of people like it was polarizing in terms of whether it should count as a film or an episodic kind of like a TV thing. Uh, I counted it as a film. Um, I don't know what else to say about that, I guess, just like to each their own, I guess. The last movie stars feels kind of the same way where it's like, ah, I don't know how people are going to take that. I don't know what they want. Uh, from that so I don't know if I'll get around to it just because it's so much time to dedicate uh, to something I don't know if I'll get around to it before we do our top 10 Uh, but that said uh, I'll hopefully get around to it I'm excited to see Men uh, the the film by Alex Garland I think that'd be good I still haven't seen that I'm way behind on that Uh, I loved X as you guys know the horror film by Ty West Pearl I have not seen yet though the the follow-up to it uh, so I'm excited to watch that. Uh, I'm going to watch She Said, Tar, The Stranger, Smile, uh, 3,000 Years of Longing, Till, Triangle of Sadness. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I'm going to be watching soon, and I plan to talk about some of it on here. If you have any 2022 suggestions, I would also be very interested to hear what you would like to hear about, uh, and I would be happy to check it out if I haven't already and do something on it. So, all of that said, that little uh, update there and all that, uh, I want to jump into All Quiet on the Western Front. This will probably be a relatively short episode whenever you compare it to something like Blonde, which I think I talked about that movie for, what, 45 minutes? Um, But going back to something I said a few episodes back, which now was like two months ago, uh, I talked about wanting it to be more... Uh, episodes like not trying to force in an hour but more trying to or or an hour plus I should say but trying to just make each episode uh, you know have more um, strong content maybe Um, so we'll see what I can get out of today Um, work is still very stressful and busy uh, so I haven't uh, that's partially why I'm covering all quiet on the western front because it's something I've seen it's something I'm excited to talk about And uh, I hope you enjoy it. So if you haven't seen All Quiet on the Western Front, let me give you my thoughts. So maybe you will. All Quiet on the Western Front from 2022, directed by Edward Berger. uh, Written by Edward Berger, Leslie Patterson, and Ian Stokel. Uh, The cast, I pretty much kept it pretty slim here because, quite frankly, most of us aren't going to know most of the people in this movie. Uh, But Felix Kammerer is the main dude. He is awesome. Okay, I'm just going to get that out of the way here. Uh, I think he did a great job. And then Daniel Bruhl, who is uh, likely most known for Inglorious Bastards. Uh, He was also in... uh, What was the other movie? Uh, Well, he was in Rush, if you guys remember that movie. He was in The Educators, Goodbye Lennon, let me think here, Joey Noel, if you've seen that kind of Christmas war movie, (laughs) it's funny to say Christmas war movie to me for some reason, Um, but anyways, he was in those, now I'm looking at IMDb to see what he's been in most more recently, he was in Rush, A Most Wanted Man, which is actually really good, Uh, that one, he was in uh, The Zookeeper's Wife, which for some reason that makes me laugh. Um, but at the same time, not laugh because I didn't laugh. Anyways, the point is, uh, Daniel Bruhl's been in a bunch of stuff here. 
And uh, the All Quiet on the Western Front is about Paul and his friends Albert and Muller, egged on by the romantic dreams of heroism, voluntarily enlist in the German army. Full of excitement and patriotic fervor, the boys enthusiastically march into a war that they believe in. But once on the Western Front, they discover the soul-destroying horrors of World War I. Now, I want to start this by uh, telling you what Variety said, the publication Variety, what they said about the original adaptation of the book, All Quiet on the Western Front. This film was 19... I actually think it was 1930. I think it said 1931 earlier, but I'm correcting that now. I think it's 1930. All Quiet on the Western Front cost Universal $1.2 million. The League of Nations could make no better investment than to buy the master print, reproduce it in every language for every nation to be shown every year, until the word war shall have been taken out of the dictionary. Dictionaries, plural, but still, the point is, end quote, okay? Uh, If this tells you anything, it tells you this movie is a fucking bummer, okay? (laughs) This is a... Bummer. I don't know if you anybody listening now has been listening since I talked about the painted bird. Uh, but when I talked about the painted bird, I talked about it being a one-way ticket to Bummerville. Uh, this is a one-way ticket, first class overnight. All right. Ticket to Bummerville. That's what this is. This is like three hours of not three. Hold on. Let me look at the time. 147 minutes. So two and a half hours of fucking bummer and i'm talking like it all looks like it's fun and games for like the first what 15 minutes or however long it takes them to get to like world war one proper like the war in the trenches and stuff but dude this is like two and a half hours of how can we just make this movie saturn i remember i was watching this with my buddy dylan uh, th- this is uh, my friend that stayed with us uh, earlier in the summer. And I talked about watching a lot of movies with him, but we still watch movies together. And so he came over and we were uh, we were watching this. I was just like, let's watch this movie. It seems like a bummer. And he's like, okay. And so we watched it and we were like 30 minutes in and we saw like the first kind of big moment in the trenches or whatever. And I'm like, so is it over? Like it just felt already like a climax to the movie uh, because it was all like, it just seemed like... It, it was just done because it was already such a bummer and it seemed like it just paid off and it could just be assured. And then it just kept going. And I mean that as a compliment because it just got better. And there is a point where the sadness and the the level to which this movie tries to make you feel something uh, and tries to be emotional almost becomes hyperbole where it's like almost exaggerated because they just they just keep showing you these scenes that are that really only exist to make you feel sad, right? Uh, but the the good news is this. All Quiet on the Western Front, the 2022 version, is awesome. Uh, the 1930 version, I still have actually never seen. I watched clips of it after I watched this, and it looks awesome. So I am looking very much forward to that. Uh, but what I, I, I strongly encourage you to check this out, and here's why. We see a lot of films that show us the horrors of war. Even a film like Lone Survivor, Saving Private Ryan. Um, uh, oh, my God. Uh, the Hurt Locker, right? Like like these films. Um, oh, what is uh, Zero Dark Thirty? Like we see horrors of war in these movies. 
Um, but I wouldn't call them anti-war films. I would say all of those, to some extent, have either a pro-military, pro-war, or both. Okay, involved, and and that's partially uh, because you know, for example, the military wouldn't let them use any of their shit if they did anything anti-war or anti-military. So uh, you know, they're gonna get that. Uh, they're gonna get that gear. You know, um, but. Uh, uh, all Quiet on the Western Front, I don't know if there's actually a way to watch this where one could say, you know what, I think that's a pro-war film. Like, like I don't think there's anything there. And like I said, I was just talking about how just big of a bummer this movie is. Um, you know, I I, uh, I saw someone uh, draw an equivalent to it, to like a, uh, you know, PETA, like PETA, the animal activist group uh PETA showing videos of animal slaughter and things you know <laughs> and it really is that's what's so I mean that's not funny but you know what I mean like that's why it's so funny because this movie really is just like look at how terrible this thing is um and and that's so great but no it's the it's the uh like this movie gets the anti-war part right I will tell you that right now um Man, it shows the horrors of war here. There are people being crushed by tanks, uh, many people being burned alive by uh, uh, flamethrowers, um, really uh, immoral, unethical, um, and uh, just downright uh, inhumane, um, uh, what's the word, requests by leaders, like trying, just like Paths of Glory. I saw a lot of Paths of Glory in this. Um, but, uh, like in Paths of Glory, where the generals are and the leaders, the colonels and different people are sending their men to slaughter, knowing they're all just going to, most of them are going to get shot down. Uh, but we get to see the movie, unlike Paths of Glory, from the leadership perspective. We actually are in the trenches with these people here, and we get to, you know, we get to see it from their perspective. And as I said earlier, you know, this this film uh, is based on a book from 1929 uh, by the author. Oh, Eric, uh, Eric Maria Remark, uh, I believe is the name, if I remember correctly. And uh, in 1929, you know, that was the uh, well. So the original 1930 All Quiet on the Western Front was the first film uh, that was adapted uh, from a book that won a uh, an Oscar you know, an Academy Award. Um, that was in 19, yeah, 1930. Uh, the book actually sold 2.5 million copies, if I remember correctly, and was translated into something like 22 languages or something within its first few years of publication. So, you know, what we what we get here is a, a pretty popular uh, source material. And I, I, I find that reading about that reading about the source material reading about the original film made this almost like a better experience <laughs> just because you know where it's coming from right um and yeah so uh, yeah the the original book was a big deal of course they made a film real quick again that won the first academy award uh best picture winner that was adapted from a book um and that was a big deal and i hear again i hear that movie's awesome but when we talk about the 2022 movie, what I really appreciate about it is it takes all of the lore that you hear about this book in the original film, right? All this stuff about, you know, the whole like uh, the the uh, League of Nations should buy every copy and, you know, translate it to every language, show it every year till the word war is out of the dictionaries. Like that is such a bad 
ass quote. Okay, that is such an awesome thing. Um, and and you know you hear about uh, how popular it was the 2.5 million copies, the the 22 different languages, and then we get this new one. And and what's interesting is in 1930, a film about Germans would be a very different experience because you know they're they're out they haven't experienced World War II yet. At that point, they're what is it? 12 years out out away from World War One. So that's like us almost not quite but almost like Iraq and Afghanistan like the Middle East and that whole th- that whole the war there and all that you know it's like we're about that far removed at this point ish give or take I know not officially but you know what I mean and so like think about that they didn't even have World War 2 to look back on or Vietnam Korean conflict like I- any of these things And now we have a film in 2022 depicting Germans during World War I. And we have like all of this context almost. We know World War II is coming, right? And I I just find that so interesting to think of, of how people would have seen the original film in 1930 and how that differs from us watching something like this, uh, this, this, uh, the film we're talking about today. Um, I don't know why I keep forgetting the director's name, Edward Berger. Sorry, I, I was stalling there for a second because I was like, what is his name? Uh, but yeah, so this film looks amazing. This is, of course, you know, a big thanks to James Friend. Uh, he may pronounce it differently. I apologize. But the director of photography here, James Friend, uh, his cinematography is is uh, so great. And how he captures the trenches uh, how he captures the the just the essence of World War One, these long, uh, panning you know uh, um, like gritty shots, just panning across the battlefield or or you know dollying across the battlefield as people are running, hundreds of people and and uh, you know uh, bombs going off or, or mines or or missiles or whatever the hell they're shooting, not missiles, but you know what I mean, like. Uh, you know, and uh, exploding. There's explosions, right? And uh, you just see people flying into bits and uh, people basically diving into craters that are full of water now. And it's like water and blood mixture. And it's just not a fun time. Okay. It's fun. It's fun for me to watch it because I love Bummerville. But I'm saying it would not be a fun time to live. Uh, that would be horrible. Uh, but James Friend, he, he did uh, a bunch of TV, basically. There's not a whole lot of uh, movie credits that are notable. Um, and I'm surprised because he did a lot of work here. And of course, this is uh, largely thanks to Edward Berger's vision, I would assume. Um, the uh, Edward Berger and, and the crew, I feel like, of course, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like they have studied war films. All right. Uh, there are, mo- like, you can, again, you can see Paths of Glory there. Absolutely. You can see Full Metal Jacket. You can see Saving Private Ryan in it. You can see all of these movies that have preceded All Quiet on the Western Front, this adaptation. And and we're able to, uh, you know, basically take those things and make their own story with them. Uh, there's, you know, you hear the the cliche, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. And in many ways, this film is that way, other than it being like one of the, probably the, the purest anti-war films I've ever seen. Um, but... You know, it's because, uh, you know, like even Full Metal Jacket has like the the I think it's fucked up that people believe this, by the way. I'm just going to 
preface with that. Um, but so, a lot of people love the first 30 minutes or the first act of the film where they're in boot camp, which I think is so fucked. Like, yeah, it's funny at times, but dude, that's fucked. Okay. That is like messed up. So if you're one of those people, you're like fucked up. All right. So anyways, um, like because people find that entertaining to some extent, it's like how anti-war can Full Metal Jacket be? I believe it is an anti-war film. I love Kubrick. I have Private Pile tattooed on my arm, okay? Um, and I think that movie is awesome. I have the helmet, too. It says, Born to Kill, with a peace sign on it. Um, but anyways, like, uh, like uh, some would argue because there is something appealing about it, it can't be an anti-war film, which I don't go that far. I'm not that person. But I am saying, even if you believe that, watch this and tell me one thing that's awesome. Like, I already said the visuals are cool, but what we're seeing is fucked up. Like, it is not appealing in the least. Like, I'm sitting there watching it, and I, I, I don't, I try really hard not to talk through movies, you know, because I really want to just enjoy them, be quiet, and just take it in. But there were several times in this where I just could not shut the fuck up, and I'm just like, dude, can you imagine living this? You know, because <laughs> like I said, I was watching it with my friend uh, Dylan, and I'm just like, dude, this is, I just can't imagine, you know, uh, especially a point where, like, like the the trenches that you're in are clearly about to be overtaken by the enemy and they're just going to set us on fire. Like, how do you even respond? Do you even try to run? Because you're watching other people run. They're just getting shot. So where do you go? You know, people have bayonets too. Like, I don't want to get close to them. They're going to bayonet me. I don't want to get like 10, 12 feet from them because they're going to set me on fire. I don't want to run and get 50 yards from them and them just snipe me, like just shoot me. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to get so close that they can knock me down. I get ran over by a tank. Like there's no good way to go. All right. And, and there's just something about a movie like that. You know, Saving Private Ryan does that with the Battle of Normandy, I think. I feel like that scene specifically, the opening sequence, war sequence, uh, and Saving Private Ryan makes me feel the same way, where I'm just like, I would never want to live that. That Dude, think about how many ways people die in that movie. You uh, the, the gates go down on their like little boat things, and they just get shot the fuck down instantly, or they're getting blown up. People are jumping over the side, and they're drowning because they have too much weight, and they're getting carried to the bottom. Uh, there are people that get blown up right as soon as they hit the the shores and they're like picking up their own limbs. You know, people are being like disemboweled by guns, I guess. And, uh, you know, dude, it's just the fucking worst. War is the worst. Okay, it's the worst. And uh, and this movie more than any other one, because even Saving Private Ryan has the brotherhood element. Um, there is the I mean, the fact that that uh, that uh, Matt Damon's character, spoiler alert, uh, that Matt Damon's character goes back to the graveyard and he like salutes them. And there's some level of pride in the military and being a part of that. Um, there's something with that even that is not as bummer. It is a bummer, but it's not as bummer as All Quiet on the Western Front, which really doesn't even have that, I would say. Like, yeah, the, the, the main character and his two friends are involved, but homie that doesn't last long there's a lot of shit going on and it's a bummer so anyways i i'm, I'm kind of uh i'm kind of uh beating a dead horse here with with the uh the bummer part of it i i recognize i've said that 
already. But um, but anyway, so uh, yeah, James Friend, uh, cinematography captures this vision great and just how gritty it can be. I love, there's a point where it just looks like the main character's face is just made of stone because he has so much dirt and like mud rather on it. Dude, and, and I'll, I'll say this too. This would be a fun little tease. If you've seen Saving Private Ryan, you'll know what I'm talking about. So do you remember that scene in Saving Private Ryan where Adam Goldberg is in the tower and he's fighting the German and it turns it like they run out of ammo or whatever. So they just start going hand to hand. And, uh, you know, in, in that moment, it's just like really intense. And at one point, Adam Goldberg's character's on top and then the German's on top. And eventually the German pulls a blade and he's able to slowly pierce through the heart of Adam Goldberg. And we watch Adam Goldberg's character slowly die. And I, I think like there is there. I feel like there are multiple scenes like that. It shouldn't be funny. I don't I don't know why I'm laughing about this. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, it's there is a scene, one in particular in All Quiet on the Western Front that reminds me of that, which is saying a lot, I think. But I, I dare say worse um, because Adam Goldberg's character was Private Mellish. And uh, Private Mellish, it just, you know, he gets killed slowly. But that scene lasts like, what, two minutes, three minutes, something like that. I don't think it lasts much longer than that. Maybe a little longer if it's drawn out with editing. Um, but All Quiet on the Western Front, dude, there are moments, like the moment I'm thinking of, I feel like that scene lasts like eight minutes or something. And you might think, like, why would I want to watch that? Like, that just seems like a lot. And I think it's so much more about what the character's going through. We watch this character, uh, Peter, as he basically has to live, or Paul, rather. Sorry, Paul, uh, played by Felix Kammer, as I mentioned earlier. He's so awesome in this. And uh, the thing is, Paul it has to has to live with this. And we watch him basically be a kid. Uh, several, like he and his friends, several of them, uh, forged their parents' signatures just so they can get into the military, basically to be a part of this war. And like Paul does everything he can to get in. And then once he's in, he has to live it. And when you think this fucking movie's over, it's fucking not. And it just seems to get worse. And I love this. I love that we watch Paul develop into this like full character. We watch this full turn where, you know, it starts as him as this kind of like jovial, proud young man, you know, maybe 17, 18, something like that to, you know, basically getting to uh, like the end of his character arc. We'll say, I don't know how else to say it. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, and I don't want to say if he lives or dies or imply anything about being at the end or in the middle or whatever. So I'll just say it as vaguely as I can and just say at the end of his story arc, um, Paul is just a different person. Like you can look in his eyes and there's a different person looking back at the camera. Not literally like fourth wall break, but I just mean there's a different person there. Um, the man the 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 makeup department and all the people that were doing the props and all the art direction and and set decoration and all that stuff i mean these people i don't know why this isn't up for oscars not that i give a fuck about the oscars but it's like dude there's some awesome shit going on here and it bums me out i mean you don't get a lot of movies these days um that are 
at least bigger movies. I'm not calling this a bigger movie, but I'm just I'm comparing it to kind of bigger uh, A-list movies or 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 uh, just below A-list, where it's like they'll you know they'll go do really uh, horrific shit, but like everyone still looks too pretty. You know what I mean? Like they're not like dirty enough, or they're not like there's just something about it that feels very like CW. You know, and I feel that way sometimes about shit like some of the Marvel movies and stuff where it's like, this just feels too pretty. Why are we like doing this? And All Quiet Man gets dirty. Like I said, at one point, the main dude, Paul, has like uh, just mud caked on his face. And the whole time you're just like, homie, there are like 40 puddles around you. Can you just wipe your face off? Uh, but uh, no, apparently he can't because uh, he just looks gnarly from beginning. Well, not from beginning to end per se, but pretty much throughout the war, it just gets more and more gnarly. And just the things that he has to live through. I mean, he sees so many people die that he knows, you know, and any, but like all of them die horribly. Again, going back to the bummer part of it. It's like no one just dies. You know what I mean? Like it's always real bad. And uh, and I want to tell you all of those things, but I can't. So um, uh, I don't know. It, it's just good. Let me move on, though. I feel like I was just touting about how I want to keep content really, you know, high quality. And I'm sitting here gushing about this movie uh, to the point of rambling. And I apologize for that. But I just have to say it's kind of hard to talk about at length um, without having someone else, I guess, to bounce ideas off of because this really is just what it is and I guess to an extent that's for better or for worse for me I like it but I could see why some people might criticize it for that it is essentially just the story of this young man losing every ounce of innocence and becoming a product of war um, and uh, the other side to that though I guess is director Edward Berger he said in a, uh, I think it was with a, a Forbes article or something, he said uh, it is a physical, visceral, and very modern film that has never been told from my country's perspective, that being Germany. It has never been made in a German-language film. It's never been made into a German-language film. We now have the chance to make an anti-war film that will truly touch our audience. Uh, and that's the thing. I, again, I haven't read the novel. I haven't seen the 1930 version. My understanding is it is not directly from the perspective of the Germans. Um, and uh, so I'm, I may be wrong. Please let me know. Medium Cool Pod on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Email me, mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. I'm happy to hear uh, if I'm wrong. But my understanding is uh, not only do they do that, but they also, instead of focusing solely on the trenches and the protagonists, um, they, uh, also, you know, bring in other aspects like, for example, uh, you know, uh, higher, uh, uh, members of the high command, you know, generals and, and colonels. We see different scenes, um, that I, again, I believe are not in the book maybe, and definitely not in the 1930s version. Uh, but we do see some of these people essentially negotiating the lives of their men, um, and some of which sending their men into fucked up situations. Again, paths of glory. Um, th there's just, there's there's a lot to that. And th this is one of those movies where, um, you know, I, I watch it and I just think like, man, this movie looks awesome. It sounds awesome. The music by Vol uh, Volker Bertelman uh, is just really 
spot on for me. Like I was into it. Okay, uh, I was really into it. The the plot, like the story from from uh, our writers, Leslie Patterson and Ian Stokell. Uh, my God, like there's just it's it's so simple, but to an extent. It's like, how do you come up with so much sad shit? You know? <laughs> I know that they're adapting a novel, but it's like, dude, like what? And to an extent, it's like it almost goes into hyperbole and then it gets into a point of like impressing me for some reason because it's like, damn, like you have held me for two and a half hours and I never stopped feeling like because the problem is when you go into that exaggerated or that hyperbole level, hyperbolic, let's try to talk again, hyperbolic level. Um, sometimes it's hard to keep someone, you know, because it, it does turn into this situation where like, uh, like, uh, it, it, too much of something, you just start to get numb to it, you know, where by the end you just think I can't feel any more for this. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Uh, I felt for the entire two and a half hours. And I think that is a, a compliment to them. I think the performances are excellent. I think the music is cool. Uh, and f- very fitting. I think the cinematography and the overall vision by Edward Berg- uh, Berger is awesome. Uh, I think the editing is killer. I think this is uh, a. I think this should. I don't think it will win, nor do I necessarily think it should. But it, it is Germany's uh, official submission to the Academy Awards for this year, and uh, I want it to be a part of the top five that they that they bring up. I don't think it will win. I don't even think it deserves to win. But I do hope that it's at least acknowledged. Because uh, this is a film that was made in Germany. It was backed by Netflix, essentially, in the end. It was released here on Netflix. If I had to get... I don't think Netflix put money up for it. I could be wrong. Uh, I, I want to say they just paid him for distribution. I could be wrong, though. Okay, so I haven't done any work on that. Uh, but either way, I don't know to what extent Netflix is involved, but they brought it to our shores. And, uh, you know, Netflix in the past has had, kind of, with the exception of movies like Roma and stuff, has had a history of not really having a great success with movies that they back. Um, there will be the occasional movie that's pretty cool, uh, but, you know... Uh, Few and far between, really. You know, a lot of times they're just not great, or at least in the past they haven't been. But man, in the past few years, I feel like Netflix actually has gotten some pretty good shit. There's like a few really good movies every year. And this might be one of the better years where I I can already think of multiple movies that are going to be on Netflix that I didn't necessarily predict would be in my top 10. But looking at my list and based on everything I've seen up to this point, I'm like, some of these might be, dude. Like, (laughs) you know, like maybe they will be. We'll see. And I know that uh, as of right now, All Quiet on the Western Front is in my top 10 because, uh, man, it is something really powerful, I think. Uh, And again, for some people, they're going to brush it off. It's going to be pretty much just hyperbolic to them and and pretty ridiculous like the the uh, movie the world war one movie equivalent of a PETA ad you know like I, I get that I get it I do and I, I see that but uh I strongly encourage you to check this out it is on Netflix it has been for a little while if you haven't seen it what are you waiting for go on come on go watch it uh get ready to be bummed out but go watch it that's my thoughts on all quiet on the western front I'll be right back to send you guys off 
but hopefully you got some out of that. If you agree or disagree, let me know on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us at Medium Cool Pod. It feels so good to be back. I really appreciate you guys bearing with me while I got through some stuff, you know, in good old life. Uh, Working on some fun stuff, too. I've been playing a video game, by the way, which I have not done in a while. Cyberpunk 2077, if you want to talk to me about that. Man, I'm having a great time. That movie, or that movie. Dude, uh, well, I'll get there. Uh, the, The video game's really cool, and it was known for really being kind of a bummer whenever it first came out, and so many bugs, and there's still a lot of bugs, but man, that game is awesome. Okay, I like really love that game. Um, and I also have been watching the uh, anime on Netflix uh, of Cyberpunk called Edge Runners, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 Edge Runners. Uh, dude, it's awesome. I'm actually really impressed. You should check that out. Each episode's like 25 minutes long, give or take a few minutes. And there are like 10, 10 of them, I think. I'm on episode, I finished nine. So I have one more, which is probably what I'm going to do uh, now that I'm done recording, basically. I'm probably going to go finish that series. It's awesome. Uh, but I have a lot of stuff I still need to watch. Like I said, tons of stuff streaming. I have uh, opportunities to watch, uh, you know, others. And I have some screener, all kinds of stuff, you know. And I, I need to get back into it. Uh, so my goal is to watch as much as I can so we can get to this top 10 of 2022, which will probably be at the end of January, maybe the first week of February. I'm not sure. It's going to take me a while to get caught up. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. We'll have Joe and Matt Sosi back for that, I'm sure. Um, but anyways, all that said, thank you for listening. Thank you for being patient. I love you guys so much. I hope you have a wonderful holiday, Christmas, whatever you whatever you do. Do that hard, okay? Good night. Good luck. And take it easy. <laughs>